Welcome to the Cities Church Podcast. We're a church that's on a mission to plant 100 churches in 100 cities that each reach 1,000 people in the next 10 years. Today, we have an incredible message for you and pray that through listening, you'll walk away empowered to fulfill the mission of Jesus in your life. Well, good morning, Cities Church. It's still morning. I've got five minutes while it's still morning. I hope you're doing well today. So good to have you here. I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into God's word this morning. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for what you've already started here this morning, just with that powerful word that Pastor Ben gave us to remind us that the cross is the cure for racism and hatred and anger and all the things that our world is going through. And so this morning, we just thank you for what your spirit is already doing in our midst, and we just pray that you will continue it. And as this message comes forth, I pray for revelation, and I pray for transformation in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning one more time. I'm so excited to be bringing part four of Imposition to you this morning. If this is your first time ever on the City's Church platform, I want to especially welcome you. So glad to have you here. We pray that God's going to touch you with the word this morning. But we've been talking about the life of Nehemiah and just learning about rebuilding our foundations, rebuilding things in our lives that need to be restrengthened or reshaped or repaired. And I've just been so encouraged by Nehemiah's life. And I hope that you've been learning from his life as well. And we've been talking about how COVID-19 just came from nowhere. None of us could have prepared for it. But if you are a believer in Jesus, I know that even though we weren't prepared for it, that God can use it for something greater and that he's using it to reposition us and realign us as the body of Christ on how to live life to the fullest, how to live to impact eternity, how to rebuild the foundations that are broken in our life. And we've been talking last few weeks about rebuilding post-COVID-19, but I believe that you don't have to wait to rebuild. I believe that you can choose to rebuild your life even right now. You can choose to rebuild today. You can make that decision. You can tell yourself, okay, I'm ready. I want to rebuild, Lord. Whatever you want to speak to me, I'm ready to hear it. And you can choose to live a life that impacts eternity. You can choose to live a life where God's work produces good works in the world through you. And I believe that you can do that even now. And I'm not sure what you're thinking. Maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, well, Faith, you don't understand. You have no idea what God has said to me. You have no idea what he's spoken to me to do in my life. You have no idea the work that he's asking me to do. It's too big. It's too difficult. It's impossible. And I can understand why you would think that, but hey, impossible is a place where God likes to do great things. I love what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 19, verse 26, when they thought something similar, they thought what you're asking us to do, God, that seems impossible. You're saying this, I can't see how it can happen. And Jesus said to them in Matthew 19, verse 26, it says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But all things are possible with God. With men, this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. And I love this in the message translation. It says, Jesus looked hard at them and said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. 
No chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. I wonder if some of us, before COVID-19 happened, or maybe even right now, we've been trying so hard to pull life off by ourselves, and it's not working. You've tried to get over that addiction by yourself. It's not working. You've tried to get over that issue in your business or your marriage or in your family by yourself, and it's not working. But this verse says, every chance in the world, if you trust God to do it, no chance if you try to pull it off yourself, but every chance in the world, if you would trust God to do it. And that's what I feel like Nehemiah has been showing us over the last few weeks, that there was this great big problem in Jerusalem and he was not sure how it would happen, how it could be fixed. And so he went into the presence of God and he prayed and God showed him strategies and gave him direction and helped him every step of the way. And so he was able to see God's hand in it because he decided to trust God instead of trying to pull it off himself. And I want you to know that in this season, as you choose and as you decide to rebuild, that if you would trust God every step of the way, he will help you, direct you, protect you, and make you successful. That's what I've seen in the life of Nehemiah. The Nehemiah trusted God every step of the way. When he was confused, he prayed. When he was uh, faced with opposition, he prayed. Whenever something came at him as he was trying to accomplish the assignment, he always sought the face of God. And so that's the same for you to rebuild in this season. If you would just trust God every step of the way, you can trust that he will help you, he will direct you, he will protect you, and he will make you successful. You can say amen this morning. So you need to start rebuilding your life on a foundation where you're not trying to pull it off by yourself. You need to start rebuilding your life in such a way that you trust God every step of the way. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about how it's going to be hard work. But if you would trust God every step of the way, you don't have to worry about doing it on your own. See, Nehemiah taught us, has taught us so many things over the last few weeks. I'm just going to go through them really quickly with you again. Number one, he taught us that we can partner with God to accomplish a great work in the world. You can partner with God to accomplish a great work in the world. My favorite one, number two, pray, 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 and pray some more. I can say pray over and over again just so you get how important it is to pray in this season. Number three, he taught us that the work is too great for us to do it on our own. It's too heavy. It's too difficult. It might feel impossible. So we need a team. We need to get with people who are on the same path and who can help us achieve what God has given to us to do. And today, the grand finale of it all, something I love so much about Nehemiah's life is that he never, ever gave up. I said this the first week where I said, no matter what happens, don't give up on your assignment. And this morning, I want to remind you about that one more time through Nehemiah's story to not give up. And I said, never, never, ever give up. And I'm saying that because I know you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to be tempted to no longer trust what God is doing in you and through you. There's going to be times where it's too hard. People are too difficult. The situation looks big and you don't want to do it anymore, especially with rebuilding your life. You're going to think, I can't do this anymore, but don't give up. See, not only is it going to be hard work, but it's going to be rewarding work. But not only is it going to be rewarding work, you're probably going to face opposition. 
And that's why you're probably wanna, you're going to want to give up because when you face opposition, most of us want to run away from opposition. And opposition is just anything that stands in the way of you accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. So for me in my life, my opposition to having six pack abs is that I love sweets and I love chocolate and I love bread. That's my opposition in that area. But when you are trying to accomplish the great work that God wants to do in you and through you in the world, you're going to face opposition. And that's why I want to show you through Nehemiah's life this morning how to overcome opposition so you do not give up. See, other people may run away from opposition, but not us. We're believers in Jesus. We have more that can back us up and help us face any opposition that comes our way. And so in Nehemiah's life, he faced opposition. But I love that we can face opposition head on because opposition shows you what you're made of. It reveals who you are and whose you are. Opposition shows you what you are made of. I know it feels scary. I know it feels too big. I know it feels too difficult, but it's actually meant to show you who you are and whose you are. And I believe that sometimes we get saved, most of us get saved, and we're taught a certain way, and we think we just need to do little things here, make sure we're saved, don't take any risks, so we can get to heaven in one piece one day. I don't believe that we were saved. I don't believe that Jesus came just so that we can do our little things here and then go to heaven one day. Heaven is going to be amazing, but I believe that God wants us to live in the fullness of life here on earth. He wants us to live in such a way that it impacts eternity. And so when opposition comes our way, that's when I know that I'm doing something right. That's when I know that I'm not just trying to play it safe so I can go to heaven one day. Because the enemy is not attacking people who are not doing anything. The enemy is attacking people who are accomplishing things. That's when opposition comes. I love this verse in John 10 verse 10. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. And this is what tells me that opposite, I'm not meant to live on earth just to go to heaven one day. I'm supposed to live on earth in fullness. John 10 verse 10 in the Passion Translation says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I'm going to read that again. I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I love that verse. It tells us that we're not just meant to do our safe little things and not take any risks and run away from opposition because Jesus came to give us life in its fullness until we overflow. But that verse also says that we, there's a thief. That's our enemy. That's the one who opposes us. He comes to steal, he comes to slaughter, and he comes to destroy. So this is why when I'm being attacked, when I'm being opposed as I do God's work, I know that there's an enemy who is behind it. But I also remind myself that God, Jesus, came to give me life in its fullness until you overflow. That's why you need to rebuild differently in this season. If you weren't overflowing before COVID-19, now is the time to make a decision to overflow because that's what Jesus came to give you. And that's why we're going to face opposition head on. We're not going to back away from opposition. We're going to face it head on just the way we're going to see how Nehemiah did that this morning. See, I think our enemy expected that COVID-19 was going to destroy us. And maybe if we were trying to pull it off by ourselves, maybe he would have succeeded. 
But thanks be to God that we're not doing this by ourselves. We've got God on our side. And so COVID can't destroy us. It's actually just setting us up to become overcomers and conquerors and people who live in the fullness of life that Jesus came to give to us. First John 4 verse 4, 4, verse 4 says, little children, you are of God. You belong to him and have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist. Because he who lives in you is greater and mightier than he who is in the world. He who lives in you, church, is greater and mightier than he who lives in the world. So when the enemy comes with his lies and his deceits, trying to discourage you, trying to make you think, well, why are you even trying to rebuild your life in this season when you know you're not going to succeed anymore? You can talk back to that enemy and you can say, no, 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 I belong to the Lord and he who is in me is greater and mightier than he who is in the world, he who is in you. You got to declare that you got to fight back, church. See, we're not going to rebuild in this season passively. We're going to rebuild actively. We're going to have to rebuild with a fight. And you've got to get your fight on, church. I want to encourage you with this verse that you're not fighting by yourself. He who lives in you is greater than the enemy that tries to oppose you, is greater than the enemy that is in the world. So the enemy might be looking at you and thinking, oh, you're weak, you're small. Yeah, you may look at me and think that I'm small, but they're sizing you up based on what they can see. They're not sizing you up based on what's on the inside of you. He who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I want to show you that from Nehemiah's life this morning. Because as Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he faced opposition. He faced opposition to the work that was being done, even though it was a great work. But there are always enemies to the work that God's trying to do in your life. And so let's go to Nehemiah 4 today. We're going to read Nehemiah 4 from verse 1 to 6. We're going to read a couple of verses, so stick with me. And I'm going to try to explain things to you as we go. Nehemiah 4 verse 1 to 6 says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he exploded in anger, vilifying the Jews. In the company of his Samaritan cronies and military, he let loose. What are these miserable Jews doing? Do they think they can get everything back to normal overnight? Make building stones out of make-believe? And at his side, Tobiah the Ammonite jumped in and said, That's right. What do they think they're building? Why, if a fox climbed that wall, it would fall to pieces under his weight. I love what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah didn't talk back to them directly. Nehemiah prayed. It says, Nehemiah prayed, Oh, listen to us, dear God. We are so despised. Boomerang their ridicule on their heads. Have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. Don't forgive their iniquity. Don't wipe away their sin because they've insulted the builders. We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. We're going to stop there for now. We're going to continue to read some verses. But the first thing that Nehemiah's enemies tried to do to him was make fun of him. They ridiculed the Jews as they were rebuilding the wall. They thought that that would cause them to get discouraged and stop the work. But that didn't stop Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah already knew how he handles opposition. Remember when he first started this journey, he prayed for four months before he even took the next step. So he knew that he didn't have to answer his enemies back. He could just pray to God. And I love that his prayer was not just this cute little prayer. It was a fighting prayer. He's like, boomerang their ridicule on their heads, God. Do this to them, Lord. Don't forgive their sin, Lord. And then they continued the work. See, their enemies tried to think that making fun of them was going to stop them, but it didn't stop them. The opposition only propelled them to keep going in the work. Let's keep reading Nehemiah here. We're going to read from verse 7 to 9, still in chapter 4. It says, When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem were going so well, that the breaks in the wall were being fixed. So this is even with the opposition that they've been facing. They kept advancing. It says when they saw that the wall, Jerusalem were going so well, that the breaks in the wall were being fixed, they were absolutely furious. They, were, they put their heads together and decided to fight against Jerusalem and create as much trouble as they could. I love this. We countered with prayer to our God and set around the clock guard against them. So they tried making fun of them and that didn't work. So they tried a different tactic and this one was worse. They threatened to attack them physically. And Nehemiah countered that with prayer. You're probably thinking, why didn't he go get some weapons and start fighting back right away? He knew he needed to start with prayer. That's what Nehemiah's life has showed us over and over again is how important prayer is for us, to, for us to get strategy. But he didn't just stop at prayer. He also set a guard around the clock. So he was also praying with wisdom. I love that Nehemiah did this because he's showing us here that whenever you're doing God's work, God's work in itself is a threat to the enemy. And so the enemy will try everything in his power to try to oppose you, discourage you, and make you stop the work. That's why, like Nehemiah, we must never give up. Even though they made fun of him, even though they threatened him, he didn't stop. He kept going, and then he prayed, and then he found out, okay, I should set some guards as well. This is why you can't do it by yourself. Prayer, people, strategy, you get that all from the presence of God. And I love that Nehemiah didn't back down because he was being opposed. He just figured out what is the best way for me to continue to set things around myself so the enemy doesn't continue to advance against me. God's work is always a threat to the enemy. John 10 verse 10 told us that the enemy likes to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But wherever God's work is happening, there is healing, deliverance, restoration, and he doesn't want that. And so he attacks but I love the confidence that Nehemiah had in this verse because he knew that when the enemy was attacking him, he wasn't just attacking Nehemiah, he was attacking God's work. And when the enemy is attacking you as you're doing God's work, he's not just attacking you, he's attacking God. And that's a big problem. I don't know who wants to fight the God who is called a consuming fire. And that's what happened in this verse. That's why Nehemiah countered with prayer. I want to read you a few more verses of what Nehemiah also did. Verse 15 to 18 says, Our enemies learned that we knew all about their plan and that God had frustrated it. That's why you pray, because God's going to do things in the spirit that you can't even see in the physical yet. 
And we went back to the wall and went to work. I love that you just kept going back to work. They didn't let it stop them. They didn't wait for a three-month meeting or a three-month break before they started doing it. That's why you don't have to wait until all the phases of reopening in our, in our city happen or in your city. You can start rebuilding your life right now. The verse said, from then on, half of my young men worked while the other half stood guard with lances, shields, bows, and male armor. Military officers served as backup for everyone in Judah who was at work rebuilding the wall. The common laborers held a tool in one hand and a spare in the other. Each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side as he worked. I love what this verse tells us, that Nehemiah was praying, but he also had strategy that they would have a tool in one hand so that the work didn't stop, but they also had a weapon in the other hand so when the enemy tried to come at them, they could fight back. I wonder what the enemy has been attacking you with since COVID happened or even over the last four weeks, asking you why are you listening to that Nigerian woman? She has no idea what she's talking about. Maybe he's been attacking your mind, your identity, telling you that you're losing when you're actually gaining ground in the place of prayer. Whatever he's been attacking you with, I believe that Nehemiah is teaching us a way that we can fight back. And like I said, Nehemiah wasn't too worried because he knew that when the enemy was attacking him, he was attacking God. And from the beginning of time, there has never been a battle that God did not win. And he's not going to start with you right now. He's not gonna, you're not going to lose because God is on your side. But there's something I want to bring your attention to in this verse. He said that half of the men stood with a tool in one hand and a spare in the other hand. Half of the men had a tool in one hand and a spare in the other hand. And so when the enemy is trying to come at you, telling you that you can't rebuild because you're too young or you're too old or you've already wasted a lot of time, it doesn't matter because you can fight the enemy back. And that's what Nehemiah shows us. He didn't just uh, passively be like, oh, we'll ignore our enemy and we'll just keep doing what we're doing. No, he got himself ready. And I believe that you need to get yourself ready too as you rebuild your life in this season. So what did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah counted back with prayer, but they were also armed so that if the enemy physically attacked them, they were prepared for it. So what should you do? Remember, we've been talking about prayer since week one. So you need to continue in the place of prayer. But I also believe that you need to arm yourself with another weapon. And the most powerful weapon to fight the attacks of the enemy in your life is the word of God. That is your most powerful weapon. See, Nehemiah had physical weapons in his hand because he had a physical enemy that he needed to fight. You have an unseen enemy. So you can't physically hold a sword in your hand waiting in your bedroom for the enemy to attack you. You have an unseen enemy, so you need to use an unseen weapon that is powerful and can help you against the attacks of the enemy. I want to read you this verse. God's obviously moving here this morning because Pastor Ben read this verse earlier. Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us this. It says, for we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark age. So you're not fighting a physical battle, so you can't use physical weapons. You're fighting a spiritual battle as you rebuild your life. 
Remember, God's work is a threat to the enemy. So when you decide that you want to be a part of what God is doing, the enemy comes to oppose you in your mind, in your identity, with your relationships. But you can fight back with the word of God. I want to read you more verses from Ephesians 6, from verse 13 to 18. In the message translation, it says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it is all over but the shouting, you still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You need them throughout your life, especially in this season. I love this. God's word is an indispensable weapon. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. These verses show us how we can defeat our enemy. We're not fighting a physical enemy. We're fighting a spiritual battle. The opposition that we are seeing in your life, that we're seeing in our world, that we're seeing in, in the States right now, those are all spiritual battles. So we cannot fight a spiritual battle with a physical weapon. You must fight a spiritual battle with a spiritual weapon. And that verse says that God's word is an indispensable weapon. So as you rebuild your life in this season, I want you to know that you can defeat the opposition of the enemy with prayer and with the word of God. And you might be thinking, oh, I would rather have a weapon. Well, you can't see your enemy, so your physical weapon's not going to do anything. But God said this to my heart, and I'm so excited to share that with you. It says, God's word in your mouth is like a sword in your hands. God's word in your mouth is like a sword in your hand. So maybe you're thinking, you're telling me to just speak the word. Do you know the power of God's word? It was through the word that the world was created and came to be. When Jesus faced the enemy... In the wilderness, he didn't call down angels from heaven. He didn't call down flaming fire. He used the word of God to defeat the enemy. When he healed the sick or raised the dead, he told Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. That was a word. It was through the word that he did miracles like feed 5,000 people. He just gave thanks to God and redistributed the five loaves and the fishes. The word of God in your mouth is like a sword in your hands. So when the enemy comes to oppose you, telling you that you're not going to succeed in this season, telling you that you can't rebuild your life, you need to remember that God's word in your mouth is like a sword in your hands. That it is enough to defeat every scheme of the enemy. That it is enough to defeat every opposition of the enemy. God's word in your mouth is like a sword in your hands. It's time to start wielding your sword. Just like Nehemiah did. He did it with prayer. And he had a weapon in his hand. So can you. You can rebuild your life in this season by praying and by continuing to do the work, but also by using the word of God. Some of you need to go find verses about situations that you're going through and realize that God's word in your mouth is like a sword in your hands. And you need to start declaring over that situation. You need to start declaring over your business. You need to start declaring over your marriage, over your children, over the things that we're seeing in our world. 
that yes, we can post about it, but we can also pray about it. And we can also use the powerful, indispensable word of God to declare over the things that we're seeing. God's word in your mouth is like a sword in your hands. And opposition is not meant to destroy you. It's meant to show you what you're made of. It's meant to show you who you are and whose you are. And I love that even though Nehemiah faced opposition, they still rebuilt the entire wall in 52 days. That is unheard of. That, is, that should have been impossible, but they did it because he kept praying and he kept using strategies. And maybe we can't use the same strategies that Nehemiah used, but we have a different strategy. We have a powerful strategy, and that is the word of God. There's nothing in your life that you're facing that the word of God cannot fix, cannot help you through. You just need to start declaring. You start believing in your heart that the word of God is like literally having a sword in your hands. I want to read you the end of Nehemiah here. Nehemiah 6, verse 15 to 16. I can't read you the whole story. I wish I could share the whole story with you. But I want to show you, and I would encourage you to go home and read Nehemiah 6, because Nehemiah 6 actually shows other ways that the enemy continued to oppose Nehemiah. But even with that, he was still able to succeed. Nehemiah 6, verse 15 to 16 says, The wall was finished on the 25th day of Elal. It had taken 52 days. When all our enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve. They knew that God was behind this work. See, you have been put in position to do God's work. And God's work never fails. Like we see from the life of Nehemiah, his work, the work that God had given him to do, even though they faced opposition, even though it was hard work, even though it required them to continue to spend time in prayer, working with people, in bringing up strategy so that they can stay focused. He did not give up on the work. And because he did not give up on the work, the work was completed. I want you to know that you can rebuild your life in this season. You can rebuild a powerful life. You can rebuild a dynamic life. You can rebuild the kind of life where God's work in you is producing good works in the world through you. And you can do it with prayer. You can do it with people. And you can do it by never giving up. You already know that you can defeat every opposition that may come your way. So you can stay in the fight. Keep going. Don't give up on God's work. God's work never fails. Romans 8.32 tells me that with God on our side like this, how can we lose? So you know that you're not going to lose. You need to get in position and allow God to do the work that he wants to do through you. And you can be confident that as long as you're doing God's work, you're not going to fail. Because with God on your side, how can you lose? We're not going to lose, church. And so if anything from this series that Nehemiah has taught you is that you can do the work that God has destined for you to do. Just keep going. Don't give up. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. I feel strongly in my heart that after this message, some of you need to go home and turn up the worship music, or you're at home already. I'm the one who's here. But you can be at home, and you can turn up the worship music, and you can declare over your life, and you can declare over your situation, I will rebuild in this season, and I will not lose. God is on your side. How can you lose? 
I want to pray with you this morning. I believe that there's something that God has done through this series. And I know that a lot of us have some rebuilding to do. And I pray that you've been encouraged to know that you can do it through prayer. The things that may not seem like really big strategies, but through prayer and through the word of God. I would love to pray with you. So would you just bow your heads with me wherever you are at home? Father, I thank you for your people. And I thank you for this season where we need to rebuild in our lives. And we know that when we choose to do your work, it is a threat to the enemy. But we thank you that you are greater and mightier than any enemy that could try to come against us. And we thank you that your word in our mouth is like a sword in our hands and that your people will start to use your word in their lives, start to use your word in their situation. And God, I thank you that you allowed us to go through the life of Nehemiah. And so I pray right now for a spirit of acceleration to come upon your people just like it did for Nehemiah. That with opposition, when it looked impossible, when the work was hard and difficult, that they were still able to accomplish the work in 52 days. And so, God, I pray that in this season, you will help your people to rebuild and that a spirit of acceleration will come upon them as they rebuild their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I would also love to pray with you this morning. If you've been hearing this message today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you this morning to take that step, to take that leap of faith and trust Jesus with your life. It is the best decision that I have ever made. I've seen him be with me in and out of seasons. I've seen him be with me in difficult times when I was confused. I always know that I can go to God. And so Jesus came so that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly until it overflows. And so it starts by having a relationship with him. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would love to walk you through this prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it has powerful effects in your life. And maybe you started a relationship with Jesus, but maybe you've stopped or it hasn't been consistent and you would love to restart your relationship with the Lord today. I would also love to pray with you. So right now, it's a simple prayer. I would love for you to just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for dying for me and thank you for saving me. I know that I've made mistakes I've hurt myself, I've hurt people, and I'm sorry. Father, today I ask you to forgive me, to change me, to restore me, and to transform me. From today, I declare that I believe in Jesus. From today, I declare that I am following Jesus. Amen. I'm so excited for you if you prayed that prayer this morning. This changes everything for you. And we would love to help you along your faith journey. So please let us know this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to get a Bible in your hands. Love to get you connected to a discipleship group and continue to help you in your faith journey. I know that you will never be the same again. Well, Cities Church, it has been an absolute honor the last four weeks 
teaching you what God has been teaching me through Nehemiah. But I'm so excited to hear Pastor Ben speak to us from next week's Sunday. So you definitely want to be here. But give it up for Pastor Ben as he leads us in the partnership portion of our service this morning. Thanks for listening today. If you like this message and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or visit cities.church slash podcast. Don't forget, you can join us live for our Sunday morning church experience at cities.church slash live.